Dansby Swanson is a member of the Chicago Cubs. What does this mean for the Cubs shortstop prospects and the Atlanta Braves? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And happy Hanukkah to those of you who celebrate. Uh, Dansby Swanson signed a free agent deal with the Cubs over the weekend. Seven years, $177 million. A couple interesting aspects of this. I think the very first one is... This is the big four. All four of the big free agent shortstops have now signed. None of them went back to their teams that they were with last year. Trey Turner is a Philadelphia Philly. Xander Bogarts goes from the Red Sox to the Padres. Uh, Carlos Correa is a Giant. And Dansby Swanson is a Cub. And contracts were all pretty interesting. Dansby definitely hit the right time to have a career-best Offensive year. So 2022 for Dansby Swanson. 277, 329, 447. He played all 162 games. 25 home runs, 58 extra base hits, 49 walks to 182 strikeouts. So about 7% walk rate, 26.2% strikeout rate. He was 18 to 25 on stolen bases. Came out to a 115 OPS. And about 5.7 war. He was an all-star. He won a gold glove. And depending on who you ask, came in like either second or third in baseball on infield defense. I want to say out of, outs above average on StatCast had him at second to Jonathan Shoup, second baseman for the Detroit Tigers. And when you look at what Dansby Swanson uh, did over his career while he was in Atlanta... Uh, He kind of changed right there coming into 2020, right? Power went up, strikeouts went up as well. He went from a 21, 22% strikeout guy to a 26% strikeout guy. But the slugging percentage kind of had a a similar jump, excluding his short sample in 2016 when he was first promoted. uh, He consistently had slugging percentages in the 300s or, you know, maybe low 400s. And when he made that switch coming out of 19 and going into 2020, you saw uh, 10 uh, 10 home runs in the 60-game season in 2020. So that projected out to almost, you know, to to almost 30. He had 27 in 2021 and 25 in 2022. And and so you can see the difference there from his 162-game average over his career. His average was 255, so up 20 points last year, 321, around the same, 417 slugging, about 30 points higher last year, 20 home runs, 55 extra base hits, 57 walks to 161 strikeouts is the average, 11 to 15 on stolen bases. So he's, he ran more last year. Uh, he... He walked a little bit less, but he struck out more. And so, you know, going from 55 extra base hits to 58, but five of them being homers, is that worth an extra 20 strikeouts a year? Dansby Swanson made the bet that it was, and he paid off. And so, to me, this feels like 
There's a couple things here, here to think about the fit for Dansby Swanson with the Cubs. First, feels like the floor is kind of high. He was very good defensively in 2020, very good defensively in 2022, graded out okay in 2021. Um, but when you look at the stats and you dig into what he did a bit, he's an amazing fastball hitter. He's very good on hitting fastballs. He's not great on just about anything else, but especially sliders. And he was already starting to see more sliders last year than he has in the past. So I imagine that trend's going to continue. It's got to be a little bit worrisome if you're the Cubs about how that deal is going to age. I think the only way that this is a bad deal for the Cubs is if his defense significantly drops off and or he reverts offensively to that early career guy that he was where he's not putting up great slugging numbers, but the strikeouts are still, he's still striking out you know, just about once a game, still striking out 22% of the time or so. Now, the question and the thing we have to think about here is what does this do to the shortstops for the Cubs, the prospects? So uh, right now, well, one, Nico Horner is going to move from uh, shortstop to second base. This should give them very good defense up the middle. Pete Crow Armstrong probably coming in the end of 23 or in 24 to go along with that. So again, very good defense up the middle for the Cubs. And you look at the prospects. Number seven overall prospect, Christian Hernandez, 2021 IFA. Little ways to go until he gets to the bigs, right? Got 44 games in complex league last year in rookie ball. 261, 320, 357. Three home runs, eight extra base hits. 13 walks to 53 strikeouts, six and nine on stolen bases. The thing here is, I didn't think Hernandez was going to stick it short anyway. Kind of saw him as a... A third baseman, the range is below average because the speed's below average. The arm is good enough. You know, above average defense on the corner. I saw him moving to third anyway. So no, no big changes for him. I think his 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 powers plus to potentially double plus, probably around 65 or so. He can hit it to all fields, but he's got a really long swing and he chases breaking balls like a lot of young prospects do. So I don't think, grand scheme of things, this changes a lot for Christian Hernandez. Uh, Number 15 prospect in the system, uh, Kevin Maid, is a little bit of a different story. So uh, 57 games in low A, 37 games in high A last year, and was two different players at those two levels. Much better in low A, 266, 354, 450, nine home runs, 23 extra base hits, 27 walks to 49 strikeouts, again in 57 games, Uh, 0 for 1 on stolen bases. And then when he went to high A, he got 37 games there at the end of the year in South Bend. 162, 267, 246. One home run, eight extra base hits, 19 walks to 31 strikeouts, three to three on stolen bases. I'm going to chalk that up to sample size a bit. But what you need to know about Kevin Mage right here is plus to double plus defense. I mean, 70 grade defense at short. I think he could feel he could be a defender anywhere in the infield. He could play third, he could play second, he could play short, and he'd be a plus defender at least, uh, if not better. Tons of offensive questions, though. Uh, he is very, very aggressive on face on fastballs. He will swing at almost any fastball you throw him. It does not matter if it's in the zone or not. He will just swing at a, face, uh, at a fastball. He'll chase it, he'll do whatever. So he needs to work on plate discipline. And then he can pick up spin pretty well, but he's still a free swinger and he'll still go after it. He's like, okay, it's a, it's a slider. Well, I'm going to swing at it. Never mind, it's ended up out of the zone. So again, plate discipline is the big thing here. 
And then the question I have is what is the overall power potential? I've got him as a 40 grade right now, below average power. He's hit, I mean, a grand total of 152 games in the minors. He's hit 11 home runs. Kind of feels like you're looking at a 11 to 15 home run guy over the course of a season, below average. I think his ceiling because of that is probably utility guy at the big league level. But again, good floor because he can play great defense anywhere in the infield. So you like that. Uh, the, the other guy, the third prospect that I, that I thought about with this was shortstop Ed Howard, 2020 first rounder out of high school. And another guy, probably 70 grade defense at short, right? Plus arm, good range. Uh, and 23 games in high A last year. He had a weird, like a freak hip labrum tear. He was, he was uh, trying to avoid a throw up the line while he was running to first. And he just like, tore his hip labrum. It was weird. But 23 games before that in high A, 244, 323, 317. One home run, three extra base hits, nine walks to 19 strikeouts, three of three on stolen bases. Again, another guy where offensive questions, right? He doesn't recognize spin that well. Um, he doesn't make contact with it when he does pick it up that well. And then he hits too many ground balls. And so the defense is so good where I think you've got time for him to develop. And I see probably he's at high A and Kevin Mate is at low A to start the year. So you can have them be in separate places. You can have them uh, both play shortstop and see whose bat develops first. I think by the time one of these guys are ready, is when, if you need to move Dansby Swanson off of short in a couple years, it'll be about the time to do that. So, fundamentally, doesn't really change anything for these prospects now. In just a minute, I want to get to how this might actually change things for the Braves' prospects and what the Braves do next. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there, pro football, obviously pushed to the playoffs right now. We saw the uh, teams trying to wrap up playoff spots and wrap up divisions on Sunday. College bowl season's in full swing. Saw some fantastic stuff over the weekend. Continue to see some great games all week this week. Uh, basketball, college and pro both going on right now. The World Cup just finished. It's the only soccer that I've watched all year, but I watched the... Uh, the second half of the second half of that match, and then extra time and penalty kicks, and it was tons of fun. So uh, they had that and more at betaline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Bet Online is where the game starts. Okay, so Dante Swanson is not going to be a brave. We know that now. He will be in Chicago. His wife his, got married weekend before last. His wife was traded from the Houston women's soccer team to the Chicago women's soccer team. So they'll get to live in the same city. Happy for them. Uh, the Braves offered significantly less than what the Cubs did. The reported offer from Atlanta. Uh, so 7 for 177 was the Cubs. Reported for the Braves was like 6-100 or something like that. So significantly less. I get it. I understand him going. No hard feelings. Braves have a couple of options here. Option number one is if you're going internal, it's Vaughn Grissom season. Uh, he was the, you know, he's the number one, was the number one prospect in the system at the end of the year last year, graduated because he spent just enough time 
playing second base for Atlanta. But 2019, 11th rounder out of high school. Got 41 games in the bigs at second base last year. 291, 353, 440. Five home runs, 11 extra base hits, 11 walks to 34 strikeouts, five of seven on stolen bases. So we saw the league adjust to him later in the season. And so he was splitting time more often with Orlando Garcia than he was earlier in the year, uh, you know, earlier in his time up. And I think that that like offensively, like the, the offense questions you had were more so power potential than they were batting average. He's got great strikes on discipline. The questions you had was what was the overall power ceiling and the bat would probably end up being average overall. A lot of projections were going to be contact-oriented utility infielder, things like that. Was questions about the defense as well, being 6'3", 185, you know, the large stature for shortstop. He's been working this summer, or this winter, and one-week stints in New Orleans with Ron Washington, Braves infield coach, uh, you know, pit, uh, defensive whisperer. And uh, Ron Washington has rave reviews about Grissom's defense and how he's progressed defensively. So he feels like he's going to be the first option uh, for the Braves at shortstop now that Dansby Swanson is gone. Behind him, the Braves have kind of collected some utility pieces that they can try. Orlando Arcia, uh, former Brewers shortstop, played some second last year as well. Utility man Ihire Adrianza, he was a Brave for a while. He was a National for a while. He's played all over the infield and the outfield. He was one of the guys playing in the outfield uh, in 2021 when Atlanta lost everybody before they went and got four outfielders at the deadline. Uh, the Braves completed the trade over the weekend with the Red Sox for Hoy Park. Again, utility guy can play all over the infield to give them multiple options at shortstop. There's also another internal option He's not on the 40-man roster yet, but Braden Shoemake is, a, is another shortstop prospect in the system, and they're pretty much the only two shortstop prospects in the Braves system. But 2019 first-rounder out of Texas A&M, 76 games in AAA last year because he, he tore his PCO later in the year, and, he, and he, he was out. He's healthy now, ready to go. But 76 games, 259, 316, 399. Seven home runs, 23 extra base hits, 23 walks to 57 strikeouts, again in 76 games, and 9-9 nine nine on stolen bases. Kind of the opposite of Vaughn Grissom, right? He's got like, like for sure, no doubt defense, above average defense at short, 60-grade speed, 50-55-grade arm. He can do it off, uh, defensively. His question is offense. He can handle velo with, you know, he has good contact ability, can, can handle the velo, still gets fooled by spin a bit, and then low power numbers, probably a 45 power-wise. And so he's kind of been projected to be a utility man as well, simply because he's so lean. He's 6'4", but he's like 190 pounds. Hasn't really been able to put on weight and muscle. And so it's capped the power ceiling. So he's been seen as a defensive first utility guy candidate as well. If the Braves do decide to go outside of the system, there's a couple options. When you're looking at free agent outfielders, not a ton of good choices here. Elvis Andrus is probably the best bet on the free agent market. He was a Braves prospect when Von Grissom was like six years old or something. Uh, he was one of the guys moved 
along with, I believe, Jared Saltalamakia, and they were moved in the Mark Teixeira deal with the Rangers. But Elvis Andrews started last year on the A's. They cut him. He picked up by the White Sox. Had a little bit of a resurgence with the White Sox. 271, 309, 464 in 43 games. Nine home runs, 17 extra base hits. 28 walks to 30 strikeouts. 11 of 11 on stolen bases. What Elvis Andrews is going to give you is competency at the shortstop position without the need to, like, without being so good where you can't replace him when your internal option is ready. So I see a scenario, not the most likely, but a scenario where the Braves go out there, sign Elvis Andrews, or maybe a guy like a Jose Iglesias, who's been all over the league, most recently with the Angels, I think. I see a scenario where the Braves do go out and get one of these bridge shortstops between now and spring training just to have another MLB-level option, depending on how they feel about Arcia and Adrianza and Park, having something to do there at shortstop. It's a little bit different to piece it together over the course of half a season at second base, like the Braves did last year, and piece it together at shortstop for longer, for like for an entire season. It's a little bit different to do that. So I can see the Braves going out and making that. There is other options on the trade market. Uh, Jorge Mateo from Baltimore feels like somebody that they would consider moving, especially if the Braves were to send a pitching, a higher level pitching prospect because the Orioles are looking for pitching. And to date, I think I've given out one free agent contract and that was for uh, $10 million to a pitcher, Kyle Gibson, and that's it. And so I feel like you could probably get Mateo free with a pitching prospect. Uh, It's been rumored a lot that Ahmed Rosario might be a guy that gets moved by Cleveland. His defense doesn't grade out that well. Atlanta really values defense up the middle. So I don't think he would be an option for Atlanta. And then something that didn't come up until Carlos Correa went to the Giants, but There's rumors that Brandon Crawford of the Giants may be available via trade. Uh, Again, late Sunday evening. We don't know for a fact if that's true. Uh, He's been a shortstop his entire career. He is now being asked to move to third base for the last year of his contract. But being on an expiring contract and being now redundant because they have Carlos Correa, there's a possibility they would move him. You do have issues if that happens. One, he'll be 36 in January. Uh, Father Time is completely undefeated when it comes to athletes. He had an 85 OPS plus last year, so you're looking at below average offense. And then he is owed $15.2 million next year. So you're in a scenario where the Giants don't have to move him, but if they choose to move him, you're either taking on the bad contract or you're asking them, you're giving up something of value to ask them to pay part of that down. But at the same time, there's no strong shortstops left on the free agent market. There's just flawed players or aging players like Iglesias, Andrews, things like that. In just a minute, I've got some questions from the Lockdown MLB Prospects Discord. If you want to join, link is in the show notes or the episode description below. And we'll get to that next. And we're back. So Mike 2 in the Lockdown MLB Prospects Discord. Again, the, the link to that is available in the show notes on audio in the episode description. If you're on YouTube, come join us. It's a great time. People talking nothing but baseball. Uh, J. Mike, too, Phillies fan, asked about right-hand pitcher Andrew Baker. Just hadn't seen a lot about him and hadn't really heard a lot about him and wanted to know more. So he was a 2021 11th rounder out of Chippewa Junior College. 
Uh, same school that Cam Collier comes from. One of the more popular junior colleges as far as baseball goes. Uh, 46 games last year, mostly in high A. 4-1 and one record. Record doesn't care in the minors, especially lower minors. It doesn't matter that much, but some people want to know it. So 4-1 and one record, 3.98 ERA in 54 and a third innings. Uh, so 46 games, 54 innings. He's He can do multi-inning relief stints. 72 strikeouts, again in 54 innings, to 29 walks. So 11.9 strikeouts per nine to 4.8 walks per nine and five home runs. The story here about Andrew Baker is good body, good frame, 6'3", 210. The, the delivery is athletic. I'm not concerned about like it's too violent or it's too whippy or anything. It looks like it's a good repeatable delivery. And the two weapons that he has... I think are both MLB quality. So the fastball he throws, upper 90s. He's touched 101. One, I've seen 102 some, some places with it. Uh, has the aggressive mentality of attacking you to go along with it. Uh, he also has an above average to plus uh, breaking ball. Uh, it's kind of described as like as a slurve or a slurvy slider. It's a hard. It's a harder breaking pitch. It's an out pitch. He can get swings and misses off of it. He struggles to throw strikes sometimes, and he just needs more reps, I think, in professional baseball. But the mentality, the physical development that's already done, the quality of those two pitches, he could be an MLB relief pitcher next year. Uh, He does better when he gets ahead in the count and trusts his stuff to work in the zone versus throwing it out of the zone and trying to get you to chase. So making that adjustment when he got to double-A Reading last year, I think really helped. And I think if he continues to look as good as he did last year, when he opens the year this year, he could be a call-up earlier in the year for Philadelphia in the middle to back end of the bullpen. Uh, Jeremy, again in the Locked On Movie Prospects Discord, asked if you had to pick one player, one prospect for the Mets to be up on opening day, would it be third baseman Brett Beatty or catcher Francisco Alvarez? So as of right now, barring a trade, I think it has to be Brett Beatty. So if you look at uh, the what these positions did for the Mets last year, uh, catcher was 22nd with minus 1.7 wins above average. Uh, it was James McCann, Tomas Nito had the majority of that. They did sign Omar Narvaez. Uh, to come in and play, Where you, whereas third base, it was 25th in baseball, minus 1.1 went above average. And your options here are Eduardo Escobar, who isn't awful, 240, 295, 430, 20 home runs last year. Not awful, but not necessarily great. And then you've got Mark Vientos in the minors, who I think is more of a first baseman than a third baseman. And you've got Brett Beatty, who the Mets really do like. So you have you have one big league option in Escobar as far as your full-time guy, whereas at catcher, you've got multiple options as of right now. You signed Narvaez to a two-year deal. You've got James McCann on a multi-year deal. You've got Tomas Nito. You're going to have to move some guys, move a catcher, probably McCann, probably paying part of his money to get him to leave. But until that happens, it's hard for me to think you're going to call up a fourth catcher for the big league roster in Alvarez. I do think Alvarez will have the more impactful uh, 
uh, offensive performance over Beatty. But I do think that you have enough depth where they're going to have Alvarez work on his defense in the minors, see if they can make the DH spot work with Daniel Vogel back and maybe platoon him with Darren Ruff uh, until they can get somebody to step up and take the full-time DH job. And Beatty's a good bet to challenge Escobar for the job in spring training. Uh, On that same note, Jeremy also asked, what is the best division in baseball right now? And so I I went and I looked at the the projections for next year as far as, I think it was fan graphs, what they had for each team. And I narrowed it down to the AL West, the AL East, and the National League East. And here are the arguments for all of them. The argument for the American League West was you're projected to have four of your five teams be over 500. So obviously the Astros, obviously the Mariners, the Angels have done a lot of work to try and get better. Uh, the Rangers have brought in a lot of pitchers, you know, especially Jacob DeGrom, trying to get better. And so Fangraphs has four of those five teams over 500. So there's a good argument for one. At the Athletics, bring it down, as well as questions, perennial questions about the Angels and the Rangers, but worthy of conversation. I think they're clearly third in this group, but I included them because that's the criteria. Uh, the American League East is another one that's projected to have four teams over 500, uh, led by the Yankees, the Orioles. Talking about them a little bit later this week. Uh, I thought they were going to make a much bigger push to collect pieces to contend this year, but they do have a young core coming up through the minors. Uh, you'll get a full season of Grayson Rodriguez, a full season of Gunnar Henderson. Obviously, Adley Rutschman's a little more comfortable now. He'll turn some of those doubles into home runs. The Blue Jays, big show coming about the Blue Jays tomorrow. But like a lot of the moves that they have made, don't think they're done making moves this year, uh, this offseason. And then you have the Rays, who are always straddling that line between uh, saving money and contending. So really interesting. But they're, they're always in it. So you've got that. And then you have the National League East, who is only projected to have three teams over 500 and the Braves, the Marlins, and the Phillies. But you look at what they did last year. Braves and Mets both won over 100 games. And then the Phillies went to the World Series. The Phillies go in there. They add, to me, one of the, like, the best option of the four shortstops for what they try to do. They need a guy who can, who can get on base, who can score from second on a base hit. Uh, he plays a good enough defense at short. They can move Bryson Stott into second to improve the defense up the middle. Uh, And then obviously, ball go boom. That's the focus here. The Mets spent a bunch of money but re-signed most of their own guys, replaced DeGrom with Verlander, uh, gotten better in in the pitching staff for the most part. And then the Braves, who went out and took the team that won 102 games, and then in essence, they lost the shortstop from it. They improved at the catcher position, but they're projected to be, the Braves and Mets project to have two of the four best records in baseball, according to fan graphs. So when we're working off of that perspective, it really feels like the National League East is the best division in baseball, and the fact you play a more balanced schedule this year, they're not going to beat up on each other as much, means the rest of baseball should be worried, especially, I think, probably the American League Central and the National League Central, because you get less games against each other and more games against other good teams and other divisions. Fantastic week coming up this week. 
you've got questions for the mailbag, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked on Farm. You can email us, LockedOnMBProspects at gmail.com. Or again, drop them in the Locked on MLB Prospects Discord. The link is in the episode notes and in the show description below. Until tomorrow's show, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. <laughs>